Welcome to Stories That Shape Us. My name is Joanna Daniel. Stories That Shape Us is a daily podcast where I share my perspective on how different experiences influence our view of self, how we interact with others, and how we show up in the world. Hi, and welcome to Stories That Shape Us. My name is Joanna Daniel. So this week I've been dealing with domestic abuse and uh, some of the things to look out for. I've asked you to challenge your unconscious bias. I've also talked about the difference between an abusive uh, relationship and a difficult one. The difference between an abusive marriage and a difficult one. And that was, I think I did that on Sunday. I just want to go a little bit deeper in just talking about some of the specific differences between a difficult marriage and an abusive marriage. Because as I reflect, I was wondering if that's why sometimes churches has problems with helping victims of abuse because they're not sure whether this is an abusive one relationship or a difficult one. I know that culture plays a massive role in what we see as an abusive relationship and what's a difficult one. And sometimes church culture as well plays a difficult role, plays an important role in whether women are heard, whether victims are heard, whether they are given support uh, to leave the abusive relationship or not. And sometimes women are isolated, victims are isolated um, and the abuse continue and spiritual abuse adds to the weight and the pressure that she's already dealing with. So what's the difference between a difficult relationship and, a, and an abusive one? So I'm going to talk through some of the, the, the difficult, dif- some of the things that show up in relationship as a difficult relationship. Now, I'm not a relationship. I'm not a marriage counselor. I work one-to-one with people. I'm not trained in marriage counseling, so I'm not a marriage counselor. However, I've been married for 17 years, and I've been doing counseling for many, many years. I work with trauma, and so I get to see how childhood trauma plays out in relationships. So that's where I'm coming from with this conversation, not because I'm a marriage therapist, right? Now, here are some things that are shows up in a relationship that can be difficult now everything that is in a difficult relationship will also be in an abusive one but not everything that's in an abusive relationship will be in a difficult one and that's a really really important distinction to make so in a difficult marriage you might have communication difficulties people struggle to manage conflict people don't know how to express themselves ask for what they need and so there's a lot of um, withdrawal and maybe silence um lots of arguing because people don't know how to communicate effectively and so that's why they say communication is a really important thing to learn when you're getting married so you can know how to communicate how to express yourself sometimes we learn ineffective communication skills from our parents or our families of origin uh also difficulty managing conflict um and, and i suppose this comes on the communication as well there's a difficulty managing conflict we don't know how to manage ourselves And so also understanding the impact of our trauma responses and understanding and taking responsibilities for our triggers and for ourselves and for the things that we do. Being able to say sorry, being able to ask for forgiveness, being able to receive forgiveness. You might have a difficult marriage if money, if finances is an issue. That brings difficulties in relationships, especially when we have different difficulties, differences in how we spend, how we understand money whether you're earning enough, whether your outgoings are your, your incomings um, balance. Uh, you might have difficulty in uh, parenting. You might have different ideas around parenting. 
you might one might want to be parenting this way and this way and so those things are difficulties sometimes families bring difficulties in relationships um sometimes infidelity presents an issue in relationships when when one partner breaks trust and goes outside of the, the marriage those things present as difficulties and of course the list is not exhaustive there are many more things that presents as difficulties in a marriage however there is a distinction I, I i also want to add expectations that people have when they get married and roles and responsibilities who do we expect is going to do this and who who are going to who is going to undertake certain tasks and because there's no communication around who is going to do it it can present as difficulty and it might make difficult relationships are can be really hard hard on your mental health hard on your physical health but at this in the same token it might not be abuse it might just be if we get some help marriage counseling usually fixes it um sometimes individual therapy usually fixes it because somebody gets to see themselves understand themselves and able to to know that okay so this is the things that i'm doing and this is how i contribute to the difficulty and i can change um there're lots of marriage counseling tools that uh therapists use to help counsel people with difficult marriages such as preparing and rich i use preparing and rich i was trained in it and it's really effective in helping people understand what are the difficulties how do we work through it sometimes we look at six big areas communication parenting finances families of origin issues um leisure time how leisure time is spent and some other things we look at that people can work through and usually work through successfully and move the relationship along from the place of difficulty however i'm not going to go through i'm not going to go through the list of the things that is present in an abusive relationship okay now remember everything that comes on the difficult marriage is present in the abusive relationship so if we think about it communication will be heightened now because now nobody's talking rationally the abuser takes control the abuser um uses that as a weapon against the victim right um there's no responsibility taken for actions everything is blamed on you we call that gaslighting when you do something when the abuser do something the victim calls it out they will turn it around and says well maybe you didn't understand it that way um that wasn't right that wasn't what i said and really shift and change the conversation and turn it around so that the victim becomes wrong so in a in an abusive marriage the abuser will not ever take responsibility for anything that they have done it's always going to be the victim's fault everything will be the victim's fault i can't parent because you didn't make allow me nobody can stop you from parenting i didn't i didn't work because of whatever i didn't say that i didn't do it this way so everything nothing the abuser will never take responsibility for their actions they will they don't have the ability to self reflect and say you know what that's true I did that and it was wrong and I shouldn't have done it I should have done this instead you won't you won't get that from the abuser so in an abusive relationship there's manipulation manipulation and control they will use anything to manipulate you for example the children will be used as a tool for manipulation if you leave me I will take the children I will call social services I will tell the courts this I will tell them that you're a bad mother, you're a bad parent, you're a bad everything. So they manipulate. And that's just one level of manipulation. Manipulation goes deeper. 
They will manipulate you using cultural cultural narrative. Well, you're not a good wife. If you were a good wife, then you would have done these things. You would have been available for me for sex whenever I wanted it. You would have been able to, dinner would be ready every time. Um, and different things within culture that you they know that you subscribe to, they'll use as a way to manipulate you. They will use religion as a tool to manipulate. Well, the Bible says, and if you were a good Christian and if you were a good wife, then then you would have done this. And uh, you're not looking after me. You're not good enough. So there are and, and lots of insults that also is present in an abusive relationship. Lots of insults are also uh, present in an abusive relationship. There is rape. And because non-consensual sex is rape, and there are many women who are, cannot say no, they don't have that option of saying no. There is insults and emotional harm, extreme jealousy is present as well. I need to track where you are, when you were there, and when you return home. Sometimes the uh, perpetrators will go as far as looking at Perpetrators will go as far as looking at the, they will look at even receipts of when you left the supermarket and the time you arrived home. And even the ones who don't look at receipts, they will question you. Where were you? Who were you with? You might have 500 phone missed calls, messages. Um, women are called names like whore um, because they want to go out on a night out with their friends or they want to visit their family. You will be told, you'll be isolated from family and friends. Your family don't like me. I don't like that friend for you. Um, your friend is uh, uh, somebody who has lots, lots of boyfriends. I don't like them. Um, lies, lots of lies about what your family has done, what the victim family has done, how they are against them. And so um, I don't want you talking to them. I don't want my children visiting your family. Um, so I don't, your friend is trying to come on to me. Lots of lies will be used as well. Um, there'll be, the children will be used. Uh, they're my children. They're not allowed to go to your family because your family don't like me. So they're not allowed to go there. Sometimes they'll use the courts as a way to manipulate and to control. They will report you to social services, um, apply to the courts. They'll do different things as a means of maintaining possession and carry on the manipulation and control. Sometimes they use the church as a way to carry that on that manipulation and control because a part of the isolation that perpetrators use is to get people to turn against the victim. And so what they do often is go to church and tell stories about the victim. She's not a good wife. She's not doing these things for me. She doesn't help me. She doesn't look after me. She is, and here is something that really gets me, really gets me every time. When a victim tells me that the perpetrator said they have mental health problems, they're not psychiatrists, they're not psychologists, they're not qualified to diagnose a mental health problem, but they will tell the victim that they have mental health. They will tell women that you you're, you're bipolar or you're schizophrenic or any one of those terms that they'll use. And we know the stereotype and the stigma around mental health already. And a perpetrator will use this as a means to insult the victim and it's not a, a, a something of empathy so if the woman has depression it's not oh you have depression and i'm going to support you and i'm going to help you it's used as a way to insult and it's so it's used as a weapon and they often go around and tell people like my wife usually the woman is the is the victim 
my wife has bipolar and because she has bipolar, I don't think she can look after the children. This is done under the guise of garnering support for themselves so that they can ostracize her from other people and so that they can, you know, carry on the, 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 the psychological harm. And so perpetrators often use people at church as a means to carry on ongoing psychological harm to women. And it's completely disturbing, destabilizing, and often debilitating. They are doing that, isolating her. So now she has no support at church. And even the women who tries to speak to her, she can't really trust because she don't know what their motives are because he's going around and doing that. And I think if you're in church and you know that this is happening, I don't know why church people always fall for the, 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 the perpetrator. But if a man is telling you bad things about his wife, he is abusing her. That really is important to know. You cannot offer him sympathy. You must make him accountable. You have to make him accountable. Because I'm thinking, how are we going to end violence against women? How are we going to end domestic abuse when, we are, when we're afraid to challenge the narrative? When somebody's telling you, oh, woe is me, and she's doing this and this and this and this and this, that's a really clear sign. Learn and understand the cycle of abuse. Understand the cycle of abuse and the tactics that abusers use so you can know that the story that you're hearing is one that the abuser is telling and he's not a victim. It's really important for us to learn. And it's important for us to learn because the gospel that we're teaching is going to be of none effect to these people because we're enabling abuse. And if you know that you've enabled abuse, it really is, you, the onus is on you to understand and change. And that's why I did on uh, a couple of days ago, I did challenging your unconscious bias because we need to know that we have biases against abuse. We have biases. And because we have biases, it's easy for us to listen to the perpetrator and support them and help him abuse the victim. We really need to hear it, really need to know it so that, so that we can send them off to get help, not marriage counseling. And please don't ask for a meeting between the perpetrator and the victim. You cannot manage it. Send them in different directions to get help. Don't attempt it. Right. Isolation. That's one of the ways that they use church, friends, and family. They use the system. Perpetrators often use the system to abuse women, to carry on the isolation and the manipulation and control. They use social workers. Not every social worker understands the cycle and pattern of abuse. I can say that. I'm a social worker. I'm not registered anymore, but I was trained as a social worker. I used to train social workers. I know not everyone. I know social workers do an amazing work. And you often go in child protection to look after the children, but it really is important as well to understand the patterns and cycle of abuse so that when a perpetrator make an, uh, make an allegation and a, and a referral to you that you understand what is underlying in it because they use the system. Perpetrators often use the system to carry on their manipulation, their control and their harm. They use church, they use the courts, they use social services, they use the system to carry on manipulation and harm. Victims are usually treated poorly 
in these places and feel feel like there's nowhere to go. There's nothing for me to do. I'm on my own. She's on her own. There is, um, I talk about isolation and control, extreme jealousy, possessiveness, lots of possessiveness, and unable to manage their temper Ex with everybody else except the victim. At church, they're very nice. Uh, in the world, they're very nice. But when they come home, their children and their, their, their spouses get the brunt of their anger problem. Of course, it's not an anger problem. It's a lack of control that they need to work on. Send people in se separate direction to get help. Now, I want to tie this up with, of course, again, the list is not exhaustive. If you're here and you're listening and you've experienced abuse, you know that the manipulation and control goes really deep, the possessiveness and jealousy, the, the tactics of an abuser can use to isolate you goes really deep. Now, what are some of the impacts of domestic abuse? I've talked about the differences between a difficult marriage and an abusive marriage. I've said that all the, the things that are in a difficult marriage is in an abusive marriage, but not everything in an abusive marriage is in a difficult marriage. It's really important as people who support that we know the difference. And I want to talk about the impact. There's short and long-term impacts for people who live in an abusive relationship. First, I want to talk about the children. There's a physical and emotional, sometimes it stunts growth physically and emotionally. Some children who grew up in from early in, in abusive relationship has developmental problems, developmental delays, especially, not especially, but if the, if the relationship, sometimes women have a financial abuse and she can't buy the right foods that she needs to have to eat, to feed her body, to look after herself. Because financially the money is withheld and she can't look after herself. There is it, it, emotional health that can, can last a lifetime. There is real difficult coping strategies or sometimes children become extremely sensitive or um, shut down, unable to feel because those are the ways that they cope. The, the short-term and long-term impact for the woman, anxiety and depression, living with shame and guilt and post-traumatic um, symptoms, and also it affects her physical health. Many women have been diagnosed with long-term physical illnesses because of the stress of living in an abusive relationship. Stress damages us at a cellular level. A woman lasts up to 20 years sometimes in a relationship that is abusive, sometimes longer before you'll hear anything about it. So it's really important that when we're listening, we can listen in context so that we can able to direct people to the appropriate support that we don't try to fix it by giving her tools to go back home to live in it. We can support her with making the decision that she knows is right for her and for her children. And we can offer appropriate care and support in that context. Thank you for joining me in this episode of Stories That Shape Us. I hope you'll join me in the next story.